The words best used to describe Korean auto company Kia might be underdog story. In the 1990s, Kia was a low-end brand, even kind of a joke. They were absolutely terrible vehicles. We had reliability information on, the reliability was terrible, the performance was terrible. After saving it from bankruptcy in the late 1990s, its parent company, Hyundai, went on a hiring spree to rebuild Kia's identity. It took risks with cars like the fast liftback Stinger and the blockbuster Telluride SUV. The brand started winning awards, garnering praise. And the winner is the Kia EV6. It was just like this insane turnaround from a brand that most people would say I've never heard of to I want that in my driveway. Sales have increased threefold in the US over the last 20 years. And now it's one of the most marked up brands in America. We had a, a record in 2022. First six months of this year, we have more vehicles in, that have received IQS awards this year than any other brand. And now it wants to take on the EV market, where it's already making waves. But all is not easy on this path. An EV sales surge in 2022 has given way to around a 30% decline in 2023. Lawsuits from several U.S. cities over stolen vehicles, recalls over fire risks, and a snub from the federal government looking to boost American EV manufacturing. Kia started out as a components maker in 1944, steel tubes and bicycle parts. It manufactured Korea's first bicycle, the Sam Chuli, in 1952. Then came the K360 three-wheeler in 1962, and the T600 in 1969, and the Brisa, first as a pickup in 1973, then a passenger car the following year. In 1994, Kia entered the US. The company's early image in the United States was primarily that of a value brand with an undistinguished product. Many early cars didn't even have airbags unless you added them. Typically, when you enter the U.S. market, you take your best shot with what you have, and you come in from a price positioning perspective, and you want to try to appeal on that type of entry value. You quickly have to move out of there because it's not a sustainable place to be. So Kia began there, as uh, a lot of the newcomers have, even the Japanese brands did 50 or 60 years ago. The company ran goofy commercials that stressed how its cars were well-made and yet affordable. Why subject our cars to all this abuse? Because we think it's about time everyone had a well-made car. The brand also expanded slowly across the U.S., beginning in the Western states. They had a very confused identity in the 90s. Um, you know, I, I would, I would, um, I mean, I hate to say this, but, but it's like, you, almost like corporate strategy was like, let's throw spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks. Vehicles like the Kia Borrego, which was this bizarre vehicle that was an SUV that looked like a car-based SUV, was based on a truck. They had the Kia Amante, which was this car that was trying to look like a Jaguar or something that was just terrible. Turns out that was just the beginning of its problems. In 1997, Kia, which at the time was the second largest Korean automaker behind Hyundai, went bankrupt. That contributed to the Korean financial crisis. 
Ford and Hyundai got into a bidding war, and despite the Korean government's resistance, Hyundai, which wasn't in very good shape itself, rescued Kia in 1998. The Korean government was hoping that Ford's entry into the country would boost foreign investment and bring technological know-how. Hyundai paid about $912 million in cash and was given a condition that about $5.8 billion in debt would be written off in return for a 51% stake. The company was restructured so that the two automakers could share platforms, components, technology, and leadership. Over time, Hyundai has reduced its stake to about 33% of the company. I think the big change was when Hyundai took over a, a leadership position and they started using some of the Hyundai platforms. And Hyundai was obviously going gangbusters. Kia went right along for the ride and, and in some ways bested Hyundai at their own game. In the mid-90s and early 2000s, Kia was ranked at or near the bottom of pretty much every list possible. But around 2012, things started to change. That was the marked year that we started to see them receiving some awards and receiving awards on a consistent basis for both J.D. Power's studies. Take J.D. Power's three big surveys. The initial quality study measures problems or complaints owners have after the first three months of ownership. Vehicle dependability measures the same after three years. The appeal study is a similar study, but rather than focusing strictly on quality issues, looks at satisfaction with design, performance, safety, usability, comfort, and other factors. Kia has won at least one initial quality award and one appeal award every year since 2012. From 2015 to 2020, six straight years, it was the number one mass market brand in the initial quality study. The 2012 model year received a dependability award three years later, in 2015, like clockwork. Then the pattern gave way to records. In 2016, Kia became the first non-luxury brand to top the dependability survey list since 1989. In 2023, Kia received seven appeal awards, the most by any brand in a single year across Appeal's 28-year history. And the list goes on. The EV6 has won so many awards, including North American Utility of the Year. It won European Car of the Year. The EV6 GT won World Performance Car of the Year. And sales have followed suit. Between 2002 and 2022, globally, sales have grown from $12.8 billion to $66.9 billion. When Kia entered the US in 1994, it sold about 12,000 units. In 2022, it sold nearly 700,000. US market share has grown from 1.4% in 2002 to 4.96% in 2022. Kia is also the brand with some of the lowest days to turn. That's basically how long it takes to sell the car. It's what industry analyst Ivan Drury considers to be a kind of gold standard for measuring the popularity of a brand. Both the demand for the brand and wider industry demand play a key role. Numbers can rise and fall. For example, in 2005, Kia's average was 83. But by 2012, days to turn had fallen to 33 second only to Subaru among direct competitors. It rose again to a high of 79 in 2017, almost back where it had been and behind several rivals. In 2021, it fell again to 40, 
and by 2022, the number was at 15. Of course, this is a trend across the board. Tight inventories brought on by supply chain troubles and other industry-wide problems. But in 2022, it was behind only Toyota, Subaru, and sister brand Hyundai. Through the month of July in 2023, it was in third place. The most telling aspect of our success is that when a lot of our competitors recover from their supply chain challenges, we're still holding our share. Kia is also one of the brands with the highest dealer markups. For several years, they've consistently outperformed rivals. When they have had to mark down products, Kia dealers have discounted the least compared with peers. In 2022, Kias were on average marked up 6% above their sticker price, far above the competition. That is not welcome news to buyers, but it shows that many are willing to pay. We're getting customers trading in cars from all kinds of luxury brands. Our transaction prices are higher than our competitions in the same segment. When you look at Telluride, it's been selling over MSRP since its introduction some time ago, and it's still holding up there. And uh, we've doubled the production of it. So it isn't that it was an extreme shortage, it's the demand for that product. You think of them as the budget brand, the rental car brand. Now you go to the dealership, people are bidding on these things. <laughs> like that's pretty wild. So how did it happen? It took them a while building the brand, really understanding what the U.S. consumer wants for quality, for features, for content, for style, for reliability. First, the company, as did sister brand Hyundai, offered a 100,000 mile powertrain warranty on vehicles. Certainly when you have a brand that you're not really sure of, to go and say, hey, we're gonna go cover this car for 10 years, which was somewhat unheard of, that gave people a lot of confidence. There were also high profile hires. Hyundai Motor Corporation, Kia and Hyundai's parent, hired Albert Bierman, former head of BMW's M Performance division. Bierman oversaw R&D on the engineering side. He made big improvements to Hyundai, Kia, and Genesis cars. He played a leading role in developing high-performance cars for both Kia and Hyundai, including the Hyundai Veloster N and the Kia Stinger. Kia got Peter Schreier as chief design officer, known for designing cars such as the Audi TT. Kia's designs have been essential in distinguishing the brand, and over time, it has gained a reputation for being one that is willing to take risks. Some of their designs are quirky, even polarizing. Take the Kia Soul, a car that has inspired so much hate, it has trended on social media. But they serve a niche and come attached with clever marketing that retains the sense of humor the brand displayed in its early days in the US. It had a terrific advertising campaign, I mean, with the hamsters. You can get with this or you can get with that. I mean, a lot of people buy Toyota Highlander, for instance. I think a lot of people would say they're a bit boring. You look at a Kia Telluride, it's a little more aspirational. It's not a luxury brand, but it's something a little bit special that it, people are a little more excited about. And I think that's kind of what their niche is. From 2002 to 2009, Kia invested $1.3 billion in various facilities around the U.S including a corporate campus and design center in Irvine, California, a research and development center in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and vehicle proving grounds in Mojave, California. In 2009, the company opened a $1 billion factory in West Point, Georgia. Eventually, the investment grew to $1.8 billion. The company currently produces 340,000 vehicles a year there, 24 hours a day. 
It is where it builds several of the SUVs that have been crucial to Kia's success. First came the Sportage, which is Kia's longest running nameplate in the US and still its biggest seller. Then came Telluride. And I would say that is the game changer. It gave us credibility in terms of full size, larger SUVs, right for the American market, three rows, V6 engine, towing capability, a family car, and that has changed the whole complexion of the brand. Over time, Kia has catered to higher income customers. In 2019, 34% of Kia buyers had incomes over $100,000. By 2022, it was 46%. We see that with some automakers, they taste a little bit of success. They redesign one product. It becomes the DNA for the brand, but then they, they hold on too tight. They're not willing to pivot. They see that there's changes in the marketplace. They're not willing to do anything about them because they say, look, don't mess with success. Whereas Kia said, you know what? Let's just risk it. Let's just go that way. Hey, you know what? Market's going SUVs. Let's make an SUV, but let's make an SUV. Let's make a really square, boxy thing when everyone else is saying, look, these soft rotors are hot. They knew people still wanted something that said, I'm gonna go off-road. Whether or not you did or you didn't, doesn't matter. But the fact that it looks like you can, does matter. Kia also changed its logo and underwent a rebranding, the latest in a series of several such changes. That has gotten everyone's attention. People notice it, what's going on with Kia, and they start to look deeper. Today, Kia wants to be seen as a sustainable mobility solutions provider. And that means all kinds of vehicles, all kinds of ownership and use cases, all kinds of power trains, which will eventually lead to autonomous vehicles. For part of 2022, Kia was in second place in EV sales in the US. In the first half of 2023, its EV sales were down 30% compared to the same period in 2022 and behind several others, including GM, Ford, and Rivian. It has also been all but iced out of a deal to give federal credits for EVs under the Inflation Reduction Act, because its EVs are not currently made in America. There is a workaround. Customers can still get the credit if they lease the vehicle. Kia is also spending $200 million to prepare its Georgia plant to build the EV9, which will qualify the car for the credit. Currently, about 40% of Kia's U.S. cars are built at the factory. It has also had to deal with a raft of thefts that exploit a vulnerability in the car's anti-theft system. A simple charging cable could be used to start a vehicle, to start a car. We've developed a software upgrade which will all but eliminate uh, the theft vulnerability. And we've updated over 600,000 cars so far. On August 16, 2023, a federal judge rejected Hyundai and Kia's $200 million proposal to settle. You really want a brand you can trust, and that's what they have to work on, that they are going to be there, they're not going to make mistakes, they're not going to do anything that's going to surprise you. On August 8, 2023, Kia and Hyundai together recalled more than 91,000 cars over fire risks. But there are other challenges too. We've kind of seen this with some of the Jeep products that when they get redesigned, they're commanding a lot of money at first, but now they're a little too expensive for their segment. You know, is this going to happen to Kia? Will they lose that momentum? I think one of the hard issues is how do they fit with Hyundai? 
under the bones, there's so much shared technology. Who is the buyer who should buy the Kia? Who is the buyer who should buy a Hyundai? And is that going to be clearer to the consumer going forward? Um, I know a lot of Kia dealers, it's one of those things where they've also seen a tremendous difference in clientele over time and how they handled that. Now you're selling $50,000, $60,000 vehicles instead of $30,000 vehicles. Customers have different expectations. You know, they're going to want certain luxuries as they're waiting around for the oil change. What else can help differentiate the post sales? The company recently joined with several other automakers to invest in an EV charging network. The plan is to deploy about 30,000 fast chargers over the next several years. In terms of the percentage of sales that EVs will make up, I would say for next calendar year after EV9 is at its full business plan, electric vehicles could make up 10 to 12% of our total sales. And keep in mind our internal combustion sales are still growing also. So to some sense we're chasing the, the total in terms of that math problem. How soon we get there, we don't know. The regulations say one thing, we'd like to be there early. So how does it plan to overtake the dominant player in EVs, Tesla? Time and tenacity is what's on our side. We'll get there. I'm not gonna use the T word. You're not gonna get me to say that. 